Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Vani. And this is the Be The One podcast. Be the one to say, I understand Love Heals. And I Understand Love Heals is a nonprofit organization that supports those who have lost a loved one to death by suicide or struggle with a mental health illness. Julie Gregory is with us today, and I've known Julie for about two years, and most recently, Julie has received um, the Butterfly Award from I Understand, and the Butterfly Award represents a person that perhaps has gone through something dark and through change and transformation has the ability to move, to emerge into something beautiful. And I definitely see you, Julie, as a beautiful person. So why don't you start by just telling us about you? I met you at a church a couple of years ago because I had been grieving for my daughter who I lost um, to depression, bullying, bipolar disorder, and she died by suicide on March 10th in 2015. And I think that one, um, one thing that we we talk about at I Understand is there's always more to what we see. And I think that we immediately felt a connection after we met because, you know, Pink Hearts has been a big part of I Understand and pink meaning unconditional love and loving yourself enough to get the help that you need or loving someone else to offer the help that they need. And after the event, I think that we got a little teary-eyed, which is normal after the conversation when we talk about loss and grief. And you handed me a pack of Kleenex with pink hearts on it. And that was probably one of Jessica's packs of Kleenex that came from her apartment. Oh, and that makes it even more special because I didn't know that. Um, yeah, she was always carrying Kleenexes, always had the extra packs of Kleenexes, and she loved pink. So does your love for pink stem from Absolutely. Jess's love for pink? <laughs> yep. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Jess. Um, Jessica, I was not married when I had Jessica, so she was my world. Um, and um, although her, her bio dad, as she would call him, was in her life, not exactly you know, physically in her life much, and um, we were very close. When she was born, she had a birth defect in her hips, and um, they had to put this little thing on her hips, and she looked like a frog, so her love for frogs probably came from that, um, even though she hated butterflies and moths. Um, but we met my husband, about two, when she was about two years old, and um, quickly got married, and that was like 30 years ago. She was very sensitive, very shy. I love the fact that you had found someone um, like Matt, mm -hmm. your husband, and became Julie's stepdad, but really, from watching the two of you, it was clear that she was like his own daughter. And so when you lost her to depression, bullying, and bipolar. I know that that was a very difficult thing because it's difficult for all of us. And I think that one thing that we strive to do is find 
some type of understanding as to how did this happen? What didn't I see? Um, but I, what, what I appreciate about you is you're so honest and you have said for you, it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. <clears throat> what brought you to that conclusion? Jessica started struggling at work in um, like September, October of 2013. Um, she was had a new boss that was bullying her and basically setting her up to fail. And um, everything that she did was setting her up for fail. And in January of 2014, she, Jessica had a breakdown at work. And... What do you mean up, by a breakdown? Like, what type of breakdown did she have? She had gotten into a fight or an argument or a disagreement with one of the office people, one of her, the two bosses, and she, I guess, threw her arms up in the air and said, I, you know, I don't know what you want from me. And... It, it became an issue at work of that um, Jessica was um, emotionally not there. She, I guess she came into work one day. She was crying. Um, she had uh, told me before that that, you know, she would sit out in her car and cry and before it was time to go into work. And that day, I don't know what triggered it to walk into the door, but she walked in the office and told them that she just wanted to die. And they called me and told me I had to come pick her up. And I did, but I had to come in the back door because they didn't want anybody to see her leave um, crying and upset. They led me to believe that she was like hysterical, upset. And when I got there, she was total opposite of that. She was very withdrawn, quiet. I took her to the emergency room um, and found out that she had been self-harming um, and that she was suicidal. And they released her to me to take her to a psychiatry, a psychiatric hospital. And um, she spent a couple weeks there and I found out that her happy thoughts were of dying and that the what she had gone through at work had really, really paid a toll. Um, I mean, oftentimes we think of bullying and bullying happening only in schools. When bullying happens at home, it happens in the workplace, it happens in social settings, it happens within family. So I appreciate you sharing that. So, and I'm sure that you sharing and now telling what your, your process was. She went to psychiatric hospital, got some help, um, did you feel once she left as a mom, your greatest concern was she may end up taking her own life? When she left, she did some, some outpatient, a couple of weeks of outpatient, and um, went there during the day and came home at night. She lived in an apartment by herself. Um, and basically, she spent the next one year to the day of her um being fired from that place. Um, so she was <clears throat> fired because of her emotional behavior? About, yes. Mm -hmm. They said she was threatening 
Okay, because I think that that's another issue that happens to a lot of people, and that's why people don't speak out um, about their right. issues, and that happens like in, in every field, and that's why we need to continue to talk about it, and we need to change that conversation so we can normalize it, mm -hmm. and we can support and help these people that are struggling. Um, so she was out of the hospital. She went into the hospital January 31st. She was fired on March 11th um, for her aggressive behavior. And at that point, she thought when she went into the office that day, she thought she was going to be talked to about <clears throat> coming back to work. She had no clue that she was going to be terminated. And she did end up back in the hospital that day. Um, and she did some major harming of um, her arm and um, because she was a cutter. And so when we talk about um, self-harm, I think that, that it's important to recognize and let our listeners know that, you know, that, that's a huge warning sign because uh, cutting is generally to escape pain and just change, transfer one pain to another pain. So if I can hurt physically, you know, it's gonna allow to take away maybe some of my, my mental pain, my mental anguish that I'm feeling. So, uh, wow, I'm so sorry to hear about all of her struggles and also the toll that it took on you as a mom, wondering what can I do and how do I help? And wanting to know how to help because I just didn't get, I get, I understood it, but I didn't get how somebody who would freak out over a paper cut could cut their arm up into a mess, yeah. um, like raw hamburger type looking mess. And, um, you know, she would try to explain it to me. It just makes me feel better. I'm like, how can this make you feel better? Mm -hmm. um, but she spent the next year writing in a journal. Um, and, you know, we spent every night together. We Was she out. able to find another job? No. No. Um, ironically, the day after she died, she got a phone call. Mm. Um, which is why I always tell people that there's always hope. Right. That you can't ever give up. Right. And um, that is such a good message because you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm -hmm. And it can bring good things so as I, well. I, I got a message from somebody in my Facebook page after she was gone um, that said she would have gotten that job because I work for her old place and I gave her, I gave that company a thumbs up to hire her that she was a good employee. Aww. And so. you know, I just got chills right now, but I think that that's such a nice validation for you <laughs> after you lost her to know that there were people out there that cared about her. There were people willing to give her an opportunity. And if anything, I hope that you find that as a small little gift. It's a big gift. Yes. Good. So yes. I'm glad. So then um, she passed and she lost her battle. And when was that? App. What is the date of that? March 10th, 2015. Almost one year to the day of when she was fired. And I think that her intention was to wait until 311. Mm -hmm. But she couldn't. 
reading through her journal and um, the pages at the end, she was just tired of um, fighting to try to keep the thoughts away. Um, I've let a lot of the pages, the end pages, um, be read by one of the psychiatrists that she worked for. And, um, you know, they, she told me that there was some, some maybe soft psychosis going on there. Um, but Real quick, I want to, I've been listening to this story and I sense the, the tremendous pain. And one thing that really speaks to me is that you were saying she was showing this emotion at work. And I really think that when you show emotion at work, a lot of times your coworkers think, oh, that person's unhinged. They're, they're out of control. And we know that that's not the case because humans are emotional. We are emotional creatures. What would you tell people to look out for at a job? You know, we, we talk about this as be the one. So be the one to listen. And what would you tell someone who's a friend of Jessica's at work when they see somebody having that, what advice would you give them to reach out to that person? There's a thing hanging on my refrigerator that says, if you see something, um, say something. You know, for her, the people that she worked with, there were probably four or five people that were very close to her in this office setting. Um, and nobody said to her, hey, are you okay? What can we do for you? Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me after she was gone was that I didn't want anyone to ever feel that way. But had somebody said to her, can I help you? What can I do for you? Um, I think it would have made a big difference. The fact that after she was gone, these four or five people came up to me and told me that they saw things and they were afraid to lose their jobs, so they didn't say anything, you know, was unhinging to me, um, that people could sit around and see that and not say anything. However, I forgive them because, you know, I know that jobs are not always easy to find and everybody's replaceable and I, I don't want them to have guilt that, you know, that they could have stopped it, although they could have. And that I think is so, such a part of the difficulty is when you see somebody who's in pain and they're isolating themselves because having, you know, now my managed depression, but I, you know, had a suicide attempt and I, um, I know that, that that pain, but with that comes that isolation, that, that hopelessness that nobody can help you. And when you're on the outside and you see this person, it can be so difficult to really kind of reach out because you've got all these calculations going on in the back of your head, like my job, my life, you've got all your own concerns. And I think it's easy for us to ignore pain in somebody else because we say to ourselves, Oh, we've got our, I've got my own pain. And we can't do that. We can't because, again, we're a social, emotional creature. We need people to reach out to. We need people to be able to lean on. And 
I really hope that our listeners, at the very least, take this away today that if you see somebody in pain, you really be that one to reach out. And like you said, just, hey, what's going on? What can I do for you? And maybe the person isn't going to open up that day, but maybe they will the next. Maybe they will more. It's pain. It's physical pain. If you saw somebody lying on the street, hopefully in pain, you would say, how can I help you? And this is the same kind of situation. It's just I think a lot of people just don't want to be involved. Absolutely. It's, it's easier just to kind of turn a blind eye. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I found it really interesting. And I, we, we have our support group and Julie attends our support group. And I talked about it last year at our support group because it was last December where I was feeling depressed. And I would go out for coffee or for lunch. And I would say, people are like, well, how are you? You know, right? And we always like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. But I stopped saying that. And I started to say, you know, I'm really not doing that well. And I, the response I got was really quite alarming. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. And then, as you said, we're into ourselves. It would, because I'm the problem solver. I'm the one that everybody comes to when they have an issue, but I didn't have anybody to go to. Nobody was listening. Nobody was asking. So the therapist in our group said, asked a question, what would you have wanted them to say? Which I thought was a really good question of, and I sat in that moment and I said, I don't know, because could I be that vulnerable? Could I really say, you know, I'm experienced depression. You know, once again, I've had deceit in my life that has caused me to question who I am and I'm not feeling good about myself. But if you don't know what to say and you ask, at least do follow up. You know, ask that question, are you okay? And if I say okay, you know, come back the next day or the next or the next week and say, you know, let's have our, our coffee and conversation and let's talk about it. And each time you give that person a platform to talk, they'll come out and maybe say a little bit more. So I think that that's just as important is finding that one that really will listen. Now, in part of our conversation before we started recording this podcast, you let us know that one of the great ironies of her death was that she worked for a mental health organization. Yes, she did. Um, she worked directly with psychiatrists. Um, off the office people have all been around mental health for years. She had worked in the office for five years. And so the people that she worked with should have noticed a change in her attitude um, after... Well, you would think that these people who are trained to see this would see it. They, in their own house. They knew that she had anxiety. She, they knew that she had panic attack type things. Um, yeah, she. they should have seen all of the, the warning signs were all there. And I should not have gotten a phone call that said, I need to come pick her up and bring her or come to the back door to get her. And then I couldn't take her out the front door of this medical do- office. Um, it was very ironic for me. And, you know, the, the drive from my house to the office was like, you know, what am I doing walking in the back door? You know, why am I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of this. Why would they be ashamed of it? Um, but they didn't want patients to see her crying. They didn't want her seeing, being seen upset. 
And that goes back to what we were talking about, that you can't show weakness because then other people see that and we're all trained to think, oh, again, that person's being emotional, they're weak. And no, they're just being human. You know, Julie, you talk about um, her experience at work and with her, the relationship with her coworkers. And after she passed, she found out she had a lot of res um, support um, from those, but then that was a little bit too late, but I'm sure that that brought you comfort. But was there anything specific that Jess had talked to you about that happened in the workplace that caused the bullying? Um, she talked a lot about how, um, because we're so, we were so close that we talked all the time. Um, so there were about four or five months where she would come home and tell me how she hated to go to work. And I would beg her to just transfer to a different office. Um, but she really loved the doctors she worked for. Um, she would tell me that, you know, each of the people at the front desk would have a doctor or two to take care of, to you know, appointments and that kind of stuff. And um, she, would, she would end up being the one to have the most demanding doctors. Her boss would, um, the office manager, would sit and tell her, you know, you know, if you don't do this right, I'm going to write you up. So it was very intimidating um, actions at work. You know, every, they knew that Jessica was a perfectionist and she would say, you know, okay, you didn't get this right. So, you know, we could pass it up, but I'm going to write you up for it. And that all of that would um, really weigh heavy on somebody who is a perfectionist who strives to do everything perfect. Or just human, right? Yes. Just human. Yeah. And you know, they often say people don't leave their work, they leave a toxic environment. And I think it's important that we, we, we continue to talk about workplace and workplace bullying, but we also should, should know that, you know, there's never, it's never one thing. There's always right. several things that are involved in our life that brings us to where we are, whether it's genetics, whether it's a mental health illness, whether it's um, pain, right? Because that's what we talk about, that pain is a common denominator of all of this. But I'm really sorry that you have had to go through all of this. But one thing that I do really appreciate is our friendship and getting to know you, but also your willingness to talk about it and your willingness to, to help so many people and bring the conversation to the forefront is greatly appreciated. Again, thank you so much. Remember, be the one to listen. Be the one to reach out. You never know when you're going to find that one moment in time where you can save a life. And I just wanna say once again, a shout out to Consumers Credit Union for allowing us to use their Cascade location for our podcast. And remember to be the one and be the one for coffee and conversation at Big B Coffee and invite someone for conversation. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again, Julia. Thank you. Start to wonder if those flowers gonna grow. Soaking the snow, soaking the rain It's all a part of how our seasons change The rain's gonna roll and the sun's gonna shine But in the ground come up over time Yeah, it might be so But one day, one day those flowers gonna grow Well, we all have our own pace. We can measure
Oh